You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Savage Love Podcast. I'm Dan Savage, and let me tell you what I want for a change. Last week's podcast, I was a little hungover, a little out of my mind. All the questions were straight, uh, from straight people, about straight sex. And uh, I have my limits. I like straight sex as much as an ex-gay person, which means not very much at all. And uh, this week, just for a lovely little change of pace, we're going to totally fag out, as they say on ESPN, and deal only with... uh, Faggy questions about faggy things like faggy uncles and faggy butt sex and faggy douching and faggy fear of incontinence and uh, all sorts of faggy, faggy shit. So here we go. Hi, Dan. I'm a 25-year-old gay male um, who's in a year-long relationship um, uh, where my partner and I have been having great sex. Um, However, we really haven't explored anything um, anal, in ter- uh, you know, save for um, fingering and rimming sessions. Um, we really haven't had anything uh, in terms of penetration. I, I want to jump in right there. I'm going to interrupt your question. Not because I uh, want to give you any advice at this point, but I want to draw the attention of the heterosexual listeners out there, the less highly evolved heterosexual listeners. I assume there's some heterosexual listeners uh, who are down with what I'm about to say, as the kids used to say a few years ago. You said uh, that you've been having great sex with your new boyfriend. Great sex. You said it three or four times. Great sex, great sex. And then you said, and I wrote it down, we haven't really been doing anything in terms of penetration, but you've been having great sex. A lot of straight people have this hang-up that, uh, that if there isn't penetration, if there isn't vaginal and, or anal intercourse, there's no sex happening. It's not really sex. It's some sort of weird consolation prize. I only got a hand job, or we only did a little oral, but we didn't really have sex. I just want to point out that it's possible to have, as these two boys are having, uh, and I'd like to see some video, actually. It's possible to have great sex without penetration. It's a particularly good lesson for young people. Uh, who want to be sexually active without assuming all the risks and p- potential physical and emotional consequences of uh, full-blown intercourse, that you can have great sex and you can roll around and you can have orgasms and you can feel really intimate and really connected without putting your penis inside someone or putting someone's penis inside you and therefore incurring all the risks of, if you're straight, pregnancy, uh, and if you're straight or gay or bi or lesbian, pregnancy and disease uh, or just disease. And so I just wanted to like interrupt you right there and point that out. Now let's get back to your question. We both consider ourselves to be pretty versatile. And, um, you know, my past anal experience with other guys has been mostly with me as a top. Um, I've only been top twice in the past by guys with um, kind of average dick size. Um, but, you know, I've enjoyed anal, anal stimulation, both receiving, giving, fingering, and rimming. Um, but I'm not so well versed in being a bottom, and uh, my boyfriend is interested in fucking me. I don't know this, but um, he's got a pretty big dick, a lot of girth, and this is something that I've really not had a lot of experience with. Um, he's patient, understands my insecurity about his size and uh, my lack of experience, and you know we've been fingering each other, him kind of simulating his size um, recently. Um, however, when it gets to the point of rather intense fingering, um, you know, I still feel pleasure, but my dick goes limp. Um, I kind of want to be able to reach an orgasm with him after he's been inside me without having to catch up. 
uh, is there any way to do this is, is my question for you. Um, and, you know, other than this simulation, this fingering simulation, which we've been doing with Lube, uh, what's, what's the best way for me to prepare for being taught by a guy so big? Um, and uh, furthermore, on a couple of occasions, um, I've, I've come uh, during these fingering sessions when my dick's been limp, in fact. And uh, I wanted to know what this was all about. Is it simply a prostate stimulation so intense that it doesn't involve my penis or, you know, something else entirely? Okay. You know, that was a really great question, long and involved. And uh, I really don't have much in the way of advice for you. It sounds like you're doing everything right in preparation uh, for bottoming for your boyfriend the first time. You're getting comfortable with anal stimulation. You're having a lot of sex play where penetration uh, is not the goal, uh, but penetration's been incorporated without cock and butt penetration, fingers and tongues, and learning how to, you know, really training yourselves to regard your butts as these erogenous zones and these pleasure centers is the way to move toward full-blown penetration as something pleasurable. Uh, it sounds like you're doing all the right things. You know, you, he's fingering you and trying to approximate the, the girth of his penis with that. You do need to know that, that uh, penises have a little more give than fingers. Fingers are kind of bony. Uh, and, and I find, and many gay men find, that fingers are less comfortable. Sorry to be so graphic. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to be so graphic. Maybe FCC is listening to my fucking podcast. Uh, I can say anything I fucking want to. Fuck you, FCC. Um fingers don't have as much give as penis you may actually find that his penis even if it's a little bigger than the the three or four fingers he's been inserting into you is more comfortable than uh than the fingers which are bony and have knuckles and they move in all sorts of different directions and there are fingernails and there's not as much give you know when your ass wraps around his cock it's gonna be a little more give you want to use a lot of lube and the only thing you want to do now when you you know pull out his four fingers and stick in his four foot long dick the only thing you want to do differently uh, or or, or do in, do keep doing what you're doing, which is not regard penetration as the ultimate goal or him being able to come in your butt uh, with a condom, unless you're exclusive and you've tested, uh, without him being, you know, without regarding him coming in your ass as, uh, you know, the be on all and end all and the thing you're just driving toward. That's the thing you're maybe ultimately driving toward. But the first few times you do it, it should just be about him fucking you for as long as you're enjoying it, for as long as it's comfortable, for as long as he's enjoying it. And maybe he's still going to withdraw at some point and come outside you or come on you and not in you. Um, and that's okay. And it sounds like you guys are healthy enough and you're communicating enough that you're going to do that anyway, that you're already going there. Um, the other, and if you're worried about training yourself to uh, come with him in you and stay hard when he's in you, you know, don't worry so much about your erection as he's entering you, like focus more on, on, uh, on your butt as a pleasure center. It's okay if you lose your erection. And then let him get all the way in you and then stimulate yourself or he can stimulate you to bring your erection back. And you might want to try a few times where you just, with him in your ass, he doesn't fuck you. Just get all the way in very slowly, very gradually, get him all the way in and then beat off without him moving. Don't let him move. Strap him down. Sit on his dick. Don't let him move. And then you can see what it's like to have that orgasm with uh, him inside you, with you totally filled up with the, his girth, uh, and, and get there. And, and finally, your question about uh, the times you've uh, ejaculated or, or come without an erection while he's fingering, it's definitely what you thought. You're, he's milking your prostate. He's stimulating your prostate. 
uh, and you are uh, having uh, some people regard milking the prostate not so much as an orgasm, but as a forcing out of the seminal fluid that's already gathered when you arouse. You know, the seminal fluid starts to gather, your cum starts to come together, your prostate swells, it pulls fluid out of the bloodstream, and it gets all ready to ejaculate, and then he's fingering you, and that's all there, all ready to go. You're all ready to come. You know, you've basically been edging for a long time, and then when he presses at a certain point, the prostate just goes. And out it comes. I assume, uh, as is the case with most prostate milking style orgasms, that you've noticed it's less explosive. It's not really so much that your dick is shooting as your dick is drooling uh, all that come out. Doesn't that sound romantic? Uh, So anyway, uh, I'm talking for a very long time for no reason because you're doing everything right. Keep doing what you're doing and uh, you'll be a full-blown buttfucker very shortly. Hello, Dan. Uh, I have an interesting question for you. Um... Sometimes uh, I will wake up in the middle of the night and start making out with my boyfriend. A little bit known to me, because I'll wake up in the middle of, sometimes we'll be having sex and I'll wake up. Um, Sometimes I can say, uh, maybe once in a while, that I will be dreaming of another person. Uh, More often, I don't remember really anything when I wake up. I don't remember if I am actually thinking of another person uh, while we're doing this. Um, I had confided in one of my friends about this and who is actually getting her PhD in psychology and she had uh, referenced the term uh, uh, sexomnia, I believe, um, which would kind of make sense since basically I'm waking up in the middle of the night uh, and making out with my boyfriend. So I was wondering if you had any insight into this. Um, I think it's kind of interesting and actually it is kind of unsettling at times waking up and having my... uh, boyfriend inside of me basically so um yeah any insight would be great thanks i don't have much in the way of insight uh, other than to say sexomnia is a real thing uh sleepwalking sex basically uh and your psychologist uh, student friend is correct it's a real thing it really exists sounds like you have it not much you can do about it uh, you know some people who are insomniacs get up in the middle of the night and make an omelet you get up in the middle of the night and fuck your boyfriend could be worse Worse things could happen. The danger for sexomniacs is not telling people that they're only, they've only recently begun to see or sharing a bed or sharing a hotel room with somebody that they're not actually romantically involved with and then uh, dreaming, uh, dreaming a little dream of, say, Tom Cruise wanting you desperately and is in the next bed and it's actually your brother or something, some inappropriate target of your sexual affections in their sleep. So what you need to do as a sexomniac is always warn people, always warn new partners and remind people uh, or tell everyone, and I'm going to remind everyone, that it's a myth that it's dangerous to wake an insomniac. It is not, there's no danger in waking an insomniac, and there's certainly no danger in waking a sexomniac. It doesn't sound like your boyfriend minds particularly your sexomnia episodes, uh, so maybe he no, doesn't have a lot of incentive to wake you until he's in you, and it's too late uh, for you to to wake up and say, no, no, I didn't really want to. Only in my dreams did I want to because I was uh, screwing Raphael Nadal in my dreams, not you, darling. Uh, so uh, deal. I mean, that's the only thing you can tell the, say to a sexomniac is uh, deal with it. And, you know, you need to, you know, if you break up, you see somebody else. Um, if you have guests in the house, you need to warn guests that you are a sleepwalker and sometimes sleep other things. Uh, and that they should wake you if they suspect that you're crawling on top of them in your sleep. Hey, Dan, got a question for you about uh, anal sex. Uh, my boyfriend and I are worried that I might become incontinent. 
if I have too much anal sex, specifically if uh, his penis or the dildo that we play with is too big. Um, the dildo is not that big. It's like six and a half inches circumference, eight inches long. Uh, but we've read that maybe might can become incontinent. So can't find anything on the internet that gives me a definitive answer. So if you might know something, we'd love to hear it. Thanks. Bye. If large things moving in and out of your ass made you incontinent, we would all be incontinent one day because we all take craps. And particularly if you're a dude, sometimes your craps are bigger than the biggest dick that you've ever had in your ass. Uh, they just go out and they don't go in um, and out and in and out and in and out. Thank God, because that would be revolting. Uh, I don't even want to think about it. But uh, what you need to remember, you know, you can't hurt yourself having anal sex. If you do it too violently, if you do it under the influence of dr- so much drugs and alcohol that you, you know, you're insensitive. You can't feel what's going on back there and someone's slamming away at you. Yeah, you can get an anal fissure. You can fuck up your butt. Uh, you're not going to be incontinent. You know, if incontinence was a huge deal among uh, anally receptive gay men uh, of a certain age, there would be Depends flying off the shelves of Walgreens and the Castro and every gay neighbor to America and the American Family Association and the gay haters of the world who insist that uh, being gay is so physically and mentally damaging would make no end of hay about it. We'd never stop hearing about it. There'd be a press release every day about the number of packages of Depends being sold in gay neighbors in America. And just that alone, that that's not happening, that the fake gay-hating uh, researchers out there aren't screaming and yelling about anal incontinence is all the evidence I think that you need that it ain't going to happen, particularly if it's a six-and-a-half-inch dildo. If you're not putting it in sideways... If it doesn't have a razor edge, you'll be fine. You know, it's a muscle. You want to treat it gently and kindly. You don't want to slam in and you want to, you know, you want to have some recovery time. If you get fucked every 15 minutes for 30 years, yeah, you probably won't be able to uh, clench your sphincters very well because they'll always be open. But it's a muscle and you can train it and you can use it and you can learn how to clench it and you can learn how to relax it. It's a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it tends to get. So if you're at all worried, I would recommend you read Anal Pleasure and Health by Jack Morin, who goes into these and other myths and concerns and worries about anal sex. But I, I assure you, six and a half inch dildo, moderate and uh, rational, safe anal uh, sex with the boyfriend, you will not be incontinent uh, for that reason as an elder you know you could be incontinent for another reason there are plenty of incontinent people out there who never got their asses fucked so it could just be a coincidence maybe you will be incontinent when you're 80 but it could just be a coincidence don't blame me anal sex hi dan um my name's nathan i'm a 22 year old male i live in boston um and i have a question as uh regarding kind of a friend slash loose acquaintance of mine he's 21 and i'd say after about six months of knowing him loosely. His girlfriend broke up with him, and, uh, you know, I think it's kind of started him on a little bit of a downward spiral. He uh, stopped uh, stopped showing up for a while, but then, maybe a few months after the breakup, he would start showing up more and more frequently, but always exclusively with this boy who was one of his really close childhood friends. And so, you know, it it seemed normal. It seemed like he was adjusting. But, you know, after a few months of these, you know, these these guys being around all the time, you know, I started noticing that my friend was developing a really, really serious alcohol problem. And, um, you know, it just kind of seemed to be spiraling 
out of control in conjunction with, you know, showing up with this kid all the time, you know, and eventually the alcohol problems, you know, he'd, he'd bypass, you know, just leaving after hours at the coffee shop and come into a party with us, you know, and it just became apparent that he was pulling these alcoholic uh, stunts as just that stunt, just to get attention. So, you know, and about the worse and worse it gets, this kid's always there. They start to kind of maybe start flirting with each other overtly, you know, pinching each other's asses and saying, hey, you want to go wrestle naked in the bathroom? And, you know, we didn't, we don't really know, is this something that they are doing just to get attention? Um, they try to get a reaction out of each other, out of us. Um, or is this masking, you know, something that they really feel? And if it is, I just don't know why they won't be open about it. You know, we're a fairly liberal group of people. A few of us are even gay, so it's not like they need to be masking themselves from us, if you know what I mean. Um, so the situation has kind of been as is, uh, you know, for about a year and a half, and it just seems like the alcoholism is getting worse. You know, he's showing up early on a Friday Friday afternoon, not eating anything all day, and then just proceeding to get absolutely blacked out, even though the atmosphere of what she's in is just a you know, casual group of friends hanging out. We know for a fact that he still considers himself to be a straight male, but from the way that these two act, you know, it seems like there's obviously a little something more than good that's going on, and, uh, you know, that he's really denying who who he is inside. So I guess... My question is, is that should we be more adamant in trying to help him come to terms with who he really is because we're worried about him, and it's obviously this denying him himself as, as fueling this destructive behavior that eventually is going to really mess him up? Um, or are we just too nosy and being too presumptuous, and should we just fuck off and you know, let him live his life as is. Well, let me just start with uh, if I was your friend, I would probably drink too. Because golly, you talk. Golly, that's the longest uh, question I think we've ever gotten here at the podcast, and it's a simple one. Uh, it could have been more succinctly phrased. That's all I'm saying. don't mean to criticize. don't mean to bite your hat off. Uh, it's none of your business. Like He doesn't sound like that close an acquaintance. He's just some dude that comes to a cafe. He got dumped by his girlfriend. His heart's broken. He's hanging out with some other dude. He's drinking a lot. And they're acting like Moe's and being jerks. It's none of your business. I mean, you can you can say whatever you want to say to him. Just say it succinctly. Say it before he's completely blotto. And, you know, say, hey, uh, if you're gay and you're coming out, great. You don't have to drink yourself to death to do it. It's all you got to say. You know, it's not illegal and it's not, you know, in a huge affront anymore, particularly in uh, big liberal cities like Boston, to say to somebody, dude, if you're gay, that's cool. Like, sometimes it's exactly what a closet case needs to hear uh, and from his friends and even an acquaintance. Uh, but then just shut up after you say that. Don't go on and on and on and on and don't psychoanalyze him. And don't give him a lot of grief and recognize that he's an adult. And if he wants to act like jackasses at parties and get drunk and fall down which isn't only a gay thing to do. A lot of straight guys get drunk and fall down and act like jackasses at party. And a lot of straight guys think it's inherently hilarious to pretend to be gay. Like that's a really funny joke for a lot of straight guys is to act like a big homo when they're drunk at a party. Some of those straight guys are actually gay guys who are, are you know, in jest, uh, 
trying to tell people something about themselves that, that when they're sober, they can't speak uh, in all seriousness. And some of those guys are just straight guys who are acting like jackasses. So tell him you think he's a faggot. Tell him to come out of the closet. Tell him he's drinking too much and then leave him alone. Hi, Dan. Uh, my name is Kate. And uh, my real question is something that I've been kind of struggling with for a while in my life. Um, I come from a very close Southern family. Um, I live up in Olympia now, but I grew up in Texas and Georgia, and my family is from Houston area. Um, we've all been very close my whole life, uh, including my uncle, who is a closeted gay man. He uh, has come out to my my immediate family, my sister and my father and such, but he is terrified of coming out to the rest of my family. Um, he thinks that I, I'm not sure, he thinks a lot of different things, but, you know, he's living this double life. His children still don't know. He has two kids, um, one's 15, one's 13, um, and my family has suspicions. They have asked, they have asked questions of my mother and my stepfather um, about his sexual orientation and you know it's pretty much everyone knows but nobody knows you know um and i just i i wish that i could talk to him and make him understand that you know it would be okay for him to come out i'm not 100 percent sure of what he's so afraid of but i uh, really uh i would like to know how to deal with this so any advice that you could give thanks that confused me. He's out to his family, but he's not out to his family, and he's calling other family. Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to have to call you back. We're going to figure this out. Okay, so I'm a little confused. Who's your uncle out to, and who is he not out to in your family? Um, He's out to my mother and my sister and my stepfather. But like not to my, you. My, no, to me. Yeah, he's out to me also. But he's not um, out to his ex-wife and his kids? and. I'm not sure about his ex-wife, to be honest. I don't know if she knows or not. I would assume that she does, but I don't actually no but not to his children or to the rest of my extended family who all live within like a really small area they're pretty close so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay and so you want my advice in well, approaching him about this well i just i feel like it's it's causing this weird tension in my family that... No doubt. It's really hard when somebody comes out to half of the family because it puts the half of the family that knows in the closet, too. Right. Because you're not allowed to say in front of certain people, and you end up having to, like, tap dance around the issue. It's really not fair. It's also really usually a young person's thing. Usually when someone's young and they're first coming out, they'll, like, you know, I told my brother and I swore him to secrecy when I was 15, Right. You know, and when I told my mother, I told her I didn't want her to tell my father, which put the, like a real strain in their already strained relationship at the time. Um, and now I know, you know, looking back at that time, that that was really kind of unfair to everybody, because right. um, people were having to dance around the issue. And eventually, I was just like, you know, I don't care who knows, and tell everyone, mom, get it over with. Um, and you can say that to your uncle, right? And you should. You know, this is hard for us. You're asking us. What you're asking us to do is be in the closet with you at certain times and it's really hard for us to keep track of who you're out to and who you're not out to and we don't want to have to lie like what if you're asked a direct question by another family some, member some people have my like my mother has it and that's the thing is that like i feel like i feel like he thinks that he's going to have all these negative repercussions if he comes out and i really don't think that those repercussions are realistic I and mean, then like, you, sh- you should tell him that there's one there's one thing that's throwing a wrench into my advice and making me think twice mm-hmm. are his kids right that's he, the problem that everyone's having. are there are they boys 
Mm, he has one boy. He's 15. Mm-hmm. And it's like, as my mother and I talk about this a lot, and we feel like he's at a really, like, delicate you know, time in his delicate life. age, yeah. He's and an so adolescent. We're worried that it could have, like, a really, that's the one part that is hard for us. To right. Do. So if I, if I were you, I'd talk to my uncle and see if his reluctance to come out isn't about his kids and not never coming out to them, but waiting out their adolescence. I guess I just wonder if he even has a certain time when he feels like he's going to do it or if he's just... If he's out to you, you can certainly talk to him about how he's out, who he's out to, you know, right. what his intentions are, when he's going to be all the way out, if he's going to be all the way out. You, you, It's not like you don't know that he's gay and you don't know that he's not out to some people and it's not like he's not putting you in an awkward position and it's not like he doesn't have, if it's about wanting his kids to not have to deal with his homosexuality at the same time that they're dealing with their own emerging sexualities, right. which is totally legit. That's actually, if that's why he's doing it, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. I think right. that's responsible of him. You know, kids, like, they're adolescent, especially boys and girls, have enough, like, sexual fireworks going on, and it's really all about them at that moment, that, you know, if he wants to tough it out for three more years... Until you know his son's all the way through high school. Yeah, I think that's kind of uh, responsible of him in a way. You yeah, know, if he wasn't I, out I already, like you know, that. to come bursting out at fifteen uh, when your son's fifteen seems a little uh, like it might seem selfish. Right. And send his son into uh, you know an adolescent, angsty, self-dramatizing tailspin. His son who may already be teetering on that. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't need a shove? And if his parents right. are divorced and it was ugly, doesn't need any fuel on the fire. Yeah, totally. So hash it out with your uncle. You're talking to the wrong fag. You should be talking to your uncle. (laughs) Damn fag. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Well, that wraps up this installment of the Savage Love Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it on the bus, at the gym, or wherever the fuck you're listening to this. Fuck, fuck, fuckity, fuck. Fuck you, MCC. Can't talk about it. It's a podcast. The phone number here if you want to record a question for a future fucking podcast. 206-201-2720. And you download this podcast every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. Keep those questions coming, and I'll keep what I try to pass off as good advice coming. I'll catch you. Talk to you next week.